This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Faced with rising COVID-19 cases in the Omicron wave and public frustration with those choosing not to get vaccinated, Quebec Premier Francois Legault announced what amounts to a tax on those who don't roll up their sleeves. The move comes as hospitals fill up and politicians are concerned the health system will be overwhelmed in the coming weeks, but it has not been without controversy. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. National Post political reporter Chris Nardi joins me to discuss why the Legault government proposed this new measure, what the criticism has been, and whether a tax is the right measure to crack down on the unvaccinated. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Chris, I do want to get to the seemingly unpopular decision by the Legault government to implement what seemingly attacks on the unvaccinated to access healthcare. But first, I want to discuss how we got here. Like, why is Francois Legault looking at this move of what he's called a contribution? If you're unvaccinated, how bad is the COVID situation in Quebec right now with the Omicron variant? Well, Dave, like in many provinces, really across the world, in fact, Quebec has seen record numbers of daily cases. And I think one of the peaks was almost 17,000 new cases in very early January. Those are numbers that we've never heard of before in the Quebec context. And we also know that in Quebec, just like in any other province, because of the incredibly limited access there is to PCR testing, the number is likely two, three, four times that mm. simply because people can't get tested. So you can't confirm or they do antigen or rapid tests. And, you know, those results aren't necessarily logged in the provincial government system. So we don't know, but those people are testing positive. So Every measure that's come in place in Quebec have been absolutely in reaction to these incredible, kind of mind-boggling, honestly, Omicron numbers that we've seen. And of course, an accompanying steady rise of hospitalizations and ICU patients with COVID, as well as deaths. This is the same situation we're seeing across provinces, but Quebec has been a trailblazer for a lot of measures, a lot of decisions throughout the pandemic for example, they were one of the first provinces to delay administration of the second dose of a vaccine to six months in order to prioritize first dose administration to protect more people faster, which was quickly followed by other provinces. But there are also been trailblazers on much more controversial measures. You mentioned the curfew, for example, which first came in place at about this time last year and lasted for five months, just about in May, it was taken out. Some of them have been applauded. Others, like the curfew, have very little solid evidence to demonstrate that they themselves were the reason why case numbers dropped, for example, in the last Delta-driven wave. And in this particular case, you know, the curfew that Quebec put in place just, I believe, two weeks ago ends on Monday, ended on the 17th of February. So it was a very short-lived curfew that was actually even later 
it ended, it was 10 p.m. instead of 8 p.m. compared to the first one. And I think that the shortness, the brevity of this particular curfew kind of speaks to two things. The particular you know, kind of known effectiveness of this manager, which is, like I was saying, unknown. And also this the general fatigue of the population in Quebec who has very high vaccination rates. And obviously, a lot of people, I think, in Quebec, like and everywhere else, feeling that they've done their part. And so why are we being hit with another curfew when we're vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that, that's kind of the context in Quebec, where you know, 17 plus thousand new cases per day. And this fear that the, the, the health system already on the brink, pretty much all the time, could be overwhelmed by these new cases. My recollection of the last couple of weeks, it was essentially the notion that a curfew is a bad idea because it doesn't actually target or affect the people that it's looking to target. And it punishes a lot of people with not a great deal of efficacy. Like I'm guessing that, you know, with a couple of weeks of a curfew and cases, as you say, in the tens of thousands a day, that it isn't having the effect that they want to have. Did it? Yeah, it's hard to tell what the effect is because you know, the curfew was put in place with a lot of other measures at the same time, right? And so when you throw a lot of variables at a problem, it is then more difficult to isolate each variable and determine its effect. Now, it was interesting listening to Legault announcing the curfew a few weeks ago. He was asked very directly by multiple reporters, what scientific backing do you have for this measure? Which is, you know, respected maybe, but deeply unpopular within the province, unsurprisingly, right? And his response was, well, we have some indications. It's hard to tell. Last time during the pandemic, obviously, they shut down restaurants, they shut down bars, public spaces. There was a lot going on at the same time. So he admitted that they didn't quite know. But what he did say, and I thought that this was rather striking, was that the efficacy of the curfew comes down to what in French you call le gros bon sens, common sense like an evidence to him that if you put in place a curfew, people will not gather in the evening or will be dissuaded from organizing a gathering in the evening, won't be out late, and thus people will have less contacts, and thus people will not spread COVID. Yeah. But do we know how many events that you're canceling? Do you know how many gatherings you're canceling? No. And unfortunately, the province didn't actually study that during the five-month curfew they had last year. So, yeah, as he says, and, and this is, you know, this kind of critique that's come up in Quebec a lot in the last few weeks and months is that public health now has been making decisions not based on science and concrete evidence, but intuition and gut feeling. I think that was probably one of the measures and one of the quotes from Legault that confirmed that there are, in fact, some of these measures that are very much just... Well, it, common sense dictates that this will work, so we will do it. And I do think that the fact that this curfew lasted for a, you know barely two weeks is evidence that ultimately there wasn't enough evidence to demonstrate that such a restrictive measure was having a impact commensurate to the inconvenience. How do we go from an unpopular curfew to an unpopular tax on the unvaccinated? When did... Legault decided this was a good idea to bring in, and what was his justification for doing so? So there's a lot to the unvaxxed taxes, as I like to kind of refer to. I think we all like to. It's just fun to say. There are a lot of angles, basically, to look at this announcement. At. And the first one, so the decision to announce this tax, or this health contribution, as Legault called it, on Monday last week, came at a very particular moment in time. 
So the province's top public health director, Horatio Arruda, had just announced a few days before that he had tendered his resignation, which was accepted. There are all sorts of reasons in the media as to why, but I think it's a confluence of two. This has been a grueling 22 months for public health directors, him included. I was hearing that he was ex just exhausted, tired, snappy, and basically burnt out. All the symptoms of burnt out without saying that he was burnt out. So that's the first thing. But he also said in his letter of resignation that was made public is that there have been a lot of decisions by him and, and his particular health agency that have been criticized. He had, for example, been very reluctant, a little bit like the federal government, very reluctant to push for masks, for example, people wearing masks. He thought it would actually help the spread of COVID to wear them instead of prevent it, which we now know is obviously a bad mistake. Yeah. He'd also, for example, push back against wanting to have better ventilation and HVAC systems in schools, which was obviously reversed eventually. So his leadership was contested. And so he wrote in his resignation letter that he felt that his continued presence may be affecting the public's confidence in the government's decision-making process when it came to public health yeah. and, and the, the, the value of his advice. So he left. So this happens on the Friday evening. On Monday, Legault presumably is going into this press conference with... A few things in mind, but one of them is, how do we talk about Dr. Arruda leaving the least possible? And here's where I think the idea of announcing this health contribution, this unvaxxed tax comes into place. Because the issue with that announcement was that there was almost no detail to go with it. It was effectively dropping a bomb. There was just a lot of powder, a lot of TNT, but very little understanding of how this bomb worked, <laughs> who it would affect, when it would go off and how it would be approved. So basically it was just unvaccinated tax is gonna be a significant amount. We're working on it now and even admit it, and we're working on the legality of it all as well. Of course, you know, he knew that he was setting a debate ablaze here, but ultimately that announcement was not ready <laughs> at all. And it only came in the days later that he said, okay, we're actually working on a bill. It is going to go through the National Assembly. So it will be debated by parliamentarians. We're figuring out the amount. We're figuring out who it'll affect. Like, how will it even be charged? Mm -hmm. How will the government find out if you're vaccinated or not? These are all really important questions that the answers were not readily available when they should have been, which is at the moment of the announcement. So how do we get there? I think that Quebec has shown to be more lenient. Quebecers have been much more willing to take on public health measures than other provinces. I think the curfew is a great example of that. There is this very strong concept, right, of Quebec identity and social solidarity within the province that I think made them more likely to accept it. But I think part of how, you know your original question was, how did we get here? I think part of it is a frustration and a fear, of course, of the health system being overwhelmed by the unvaccinated and wanting to probably switch to more coercive measures, all the while looking like, you know, this is very popular with the 90% of Quebecers who are vaccinated, right? Because mm -hmm. they're not affected. But I think you can't take out the political and timing of this announcement when you're looking at why did this come to be and how did it come to be? I know that there are still details to work out, but do we have any indication that even since the announcement that the government is going to do this, that the unvaccinated have said, okay, fine, fine, vaccine passports didn't work, curfews didn't work, restrictions didn't work, I don't want to be hit in the pocketbook, so I'm going to go ahead and book a vaccine appointment. I know it's only been a few days, but do we have any indication that there has been success as far as that goes? 
We seem to, yes. So within the few days following the announcement by the uh, Lego government of this health contribution for the unvaccinated, the provincial health minister tweeted that new appointments for first doses had jumped from 1,500 a day to 7,000. So basically quadrupled, just over quadrupled. And this is just in the 24 hours, in fact, following this announcement. So you know, it's hard to do one for one equivalencies. They don't ask everyone when they book, you know, a dose. Why are you only getting it now? Yeah. But there was no real other significant announcement. Uh, and we saw a similar yet smaller bump as well in the province in the 24 to 48 hours following the government's announcement that they would be requiring vaccine passports to walk into liquor or cannabis stores. Mm -hmm. And so there was also, it was about a doubling. It went to about three, I think three or 4,000. So there is seemingly proof in the pudding that just announcing these coercive measures without actually putting them into place has an effect. Now, are those 7,000 people, you know, 10% of the population is unvaccinated. There are about 8 million people in Quebec. So there are 800,000 Quebecers you could approximate that are not vaccinated. 7,000 is, you know, not even 1%. But the way the government is looking at it is every little person that we convince that we keep chipping away of that number is, you know, a small win for public health. So clearly just announcing these things has a convincing effect. Will they go forward with this bill or will they eventually kind of decide to pull back like the province notoriously <laughs> did with a uh, vaccine mandate for health workers, yeah. which they announced and swore they were going to be doing last fall and then pulled out twice? I'm curious to see. I can't rule that out. You know, they've announced their intention to do it and to bring it forward. So as long as a bill is tabled, uh, you know it's serious. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So we don't know how this is going to work necessarily or how this is going to roll out. Some of these details still have to be explored, but essentially... It would be a surcharge on people who do not have COVID vaccinations when they go to seek treatment at hospital or their family doctor. Or what's the target here? No. So Legault was clear about one thing. It was that it wouldn't be a surcharge charge upon seeking medical services, which would in fact make it quite illegal because so the Canada Health Act, which is basically the federal act that ensures that we have a universal healthcare system has five core principles in it. And two of them are, for example, universality and accessibility. And the act forbids provinces from putting in place financial barriers to health services. So Legault avoided the obvious pitfall was in this case saying, you know, unvaccinated aren't going to be charged this surcharge if they come to a hospital with COVID, like some other foreign countries have decided that, you know, unvaccinated will have to pay for their medical care. This won't be the case. Now, this is, you know, the devil is in the details with any sort of new contribution that involves the health system, right? Mm -hmm. But the way that he presented it made it sound like it would be a general catch-all, you are unvaccinated, you will have to pay 
an amount that we don't know, just a significant amount. The only detail he gave was that he finds 50 to $100 is not significant. So it'll be more than $100. Mm-hmm. But will it be you file your taxes and have to provide your proof of vaccination at tax season? And then if you don't, you have an extra, let's say, $1,000, $5,000, bill tacked onto your tax bill. Is it you get a monthly fine, like I've seen Greece, for example, I believe is doing, where the unvaccinated have to pay a monthly fee? It is very unclear exactly what that is. But what we do know is if you're unvaccinated, you're not going to walk into a Quebec hospital and be told, oh, well, you have to pay this $1,000 bill and then we'll treat you after. It's supposed to be a wider and applies to everyone, whether they seek treatment or not. Okay. It is important to mention, too, that this unvaxed tax will have exemptions. Mm -hmm. People with valid health exemptions, for example, will not be charged this. People who have significant mental health issues, right? Because the unvaccinated, you know, we have the, I think a lot of people have this image of just like these really staunch non-believers in, in medicine, maybe, you know, not just borderline, but straight up conspiracy theorists. And you know, I, the amount of times I have the Nuremberg Code mentioned in emails to me after I write vaccine stories, right? <laughs> That's not the case, right? Unvaccinated people are a whole host of them from the homeless and vulnerable populations, elderly who might be even, you know, having a mental health or dementia issues. There are all sorts of, you know, non-conspiratorial reasons to be unvaccinated for these people. Yeah. And so he was very clear also that there will be, you know, I guess you could say compassionate exemptions, there will be medical exemptions, there will be exemptions. And I think who is really targeting is people who are wholly able to receive this vaccine and refuse to do it on presumably ideological and in many cases, presumably also just false information grounds. In defense of this, I've heard the common sense argument. I've heard the argument that we need to give the unvaccinated a good enough reason to finally get vaccinated and punishing them financially may do it. I've heard the argument that, well, we charge you a tax on smoking. We charge you a tax on alcohol. This is no different. Are there any other defenses of this that I'm missing? I think a lot of both the defenses and the opposition is is always going to be philosophical. And it's your conception of, you know, what is personal responsibility versus social responsibility, right? I think you've rattled off a good amount of the defenses, which is, yeah, there are already vice taxes and we already do in many ways, indirectly for the most part, charge people for decisions that have a negative impact on their health and thus a negative impact on the public health system and and ultimately the public coffers in Canada, right? Because of the public health system. Yeah. There was a survey that came out very, very timely in the in the days following Legault's announcement, looked at respondents across Canada and showed that in every single province, there is majority support for an anti-vax tax for the most part, because so many Canadians are vaccinated, but also because there is this view that these people are placing an undue and disproportionate burden on the health system that is preventing people who have other medical issues, like we're hearing about all these elective surgeries getting canceled, for example. So cancer patients who are sitting with a cancer in them and cannot get it removed because the hospitals are full of COVID patients. And so I think people, as time passes, and as especially the majority of vaccinated people feel like they're doing their part and contributing in the war effort against COVID, there's this transition or as people are increasingly okay with switching from the carrot to get people vaccinated to the stick. Because ultimately, when lockdown measures are put in place, the stick is enforced on everyone. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Everyone's affected by restaurants closing. Everyone's affected by bars closing. And so more targeted coercive measures will become more and more widely accepted by just a general population because it allows other people who you know have been told that you've made the right decision, you've done your part, you've gotten vaccinated, it will allow them to return to a normal quote unquote life quicker. And so I think that's the main argument for this tax by people. And then obviously, you know, there's there are all sorts of opponents, even within the liberal government. There are some MPs who are deeply uncomfortable with this idea of attributing a health decision to increase health costs because, you know, in their mind, it might philosophically or even legally go against the Canada Health Act. So it's a very interesting debate. Quebec is, I think, the right place to have it because it is a place where the private sector also is a little bit more present due to a Supreme Court decision in the earlier 2000s that created a space for the private health sector when the public health sector could not keep up to demand. And so I'm very curious to see how this goes and ultimately what is decided if this tax goes forward. Talk about the question around the illegality of it and whether it goes against the Canada Health Act. What are other opponents of this saying regarding this move? Is it all around just the tax or is it the ethics of coercing people with financial penalties to make a decision around health? What are the opponents of this saying? You took the words right out of my mouth. I was like, I was going to say it's the ethics of coercion in this case. Should a government have and use the power to financially coerce to, I don't know how you would define, you know, vaccine passports. It's not physical coercion, but like physical space, I guess. Mm -hmm. Coercion, the argument of individual liberties and freedoms always comes up and, and is, you know, they're all strong arguments. I mean, a lot of this ends up being, you know, how do you view society, right? Is it a lot of individuals who together form a society or is society one large group in which there are individuals who work towards a society, right? And I know a lot of people, for example, who are very pro-vaccine, who work in the public health sector, but who draw a hard stop at mandatory vaccination for the broader population. And in my mind, the unvaxxed tax that you know, as Quebec has seemed to propose, is essentially the closest we'll get to a vaccine mandate at large. Mm -hmm. At first, when you say mandatory vaccination idea, uh, proposal, like people might imagine, you know, police showing up at your door, rounding you up, putting you in a shuttle or pinning you to the ground and jabbing you by force and then coming back three weeks later to give you a second dose, right? That is never going to happen in Canada, or at least, you know, I pray that that never happens because we're in a whole different time. A province-wide vaccine mandate would look essentially exactly like this. Financial penalties, like in Australia, mandatory voting. No police shows up at your door, gives you a ballot, puts a gun to your head and says, you're going to fill this or you die. Right? Mm -hmm. You just get fined. And so in in my mind, the MVAX tax is the closest thing we have to like a province-wide kind of vaccine mandate where you either get vaccinated or you suffer a personal consequence. I know a lot of people who are uncomfortable with that because ultimately it is one's individual to decide what goes into their body. I do, you know, I think everyone agrees with that. And uh, the limitations of government are being tested, right, on what government can acceptably do in a liberal society, a Western society that values individual freedoms, but also values the public's greater good, ideally, anyways. One last question for you. As someone who covers federal politics, the prime minister, obviously one of the most prominent MPs from Quebec, but he's also been very outspoken when it comes to the unvaccinated. He was criticized recently for some of his comments. 
related to the unvaccinated, calling them misogynists or possibly racists as being in that group. What has the prime minister said about Quebec's move or about a vaccine mandate in general? Uh, Well, he specifically said not much. He was grilled by reporters last week, a few days or the day after the uh, Legault's announcement was made. And his oft-repeated comment was no comment until we have the details. And to a certain extent, I understand his point. It's really hard to comment on the legality of a move when you don't quite know what the move is and how it's going to be done. But I think what was also very important in his response was how he didn't say he was against it. He didn't support it, but he didn't say no. And that means to me that his government is interested in seeing how this pans out, how the province navigates the meanders of the Constitution, the Charter of Rights, and also just the general public's opinion on this. I think the federal government has, in my mind, very little to no tools to enforce a similar type of tax or mandate. This falls squarely in the jurisdiction of the provinces in many cases. And I think that the government has in many ways gone as, quote, far, quote unquote, as it could when it comes to imposing vaccine mandates by doing it on all public servants, federal public servants and all federally regulated industries. But the fact that Trudeau said no comment on this particular move, but said, I do support provinces taking strong measures to fight unvaccination rates. And I think it's a good idea that provinces look at more and more ways to encourage and incentivize vaccination speaks volumes to the federal government's mindset, which is let's get them vaccinated. And yes, be creative, be creative about this, Yeah, (laughs) but not too creative, not illegally (laughs) creative and not anti-constitutionally creative. So we'll see. And as far as Quebec's move, still a lot of details to work out. Do we know when we may see more specifics? The earliest we know is that a bill will be tabled, we were told, in February when the uh, National Assembly, Quebec's uh, provincial legislature, resumes sitting. And so there will be a bill. It will be debated amongst the opposition parties as well. And that's where the details will first emerge. So, yeah, uh, February will be uh, the month to watch. All right. Well, I know we'll be keeping a close eye on that one. Chris, thanks for your time. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Dave. 10-3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Chris Nardi. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.